0: This is Hannah, this is Rachel, and this is What I Like to Tell People. Hi, Rachel. Hello, Hannah. How was your Thanksgiving? It
1: was good. Very relaxed. I saw my godparents and my brother and his wife. And we tried some um, new dishes this year. Uh, I mean, not real new ones because we decided to add like Brussels sprouts this year instead, you know, just for fun because we were like, we were wild. (laughs) We were so wild. They put pumpkin seeds on it. We were crazy. And then they made sugar something. The pilgrims would kick you out. I know. The good news is we did not eat that one pie. I love you, though, Christina and Stefan.
0: Um, So how was your
1: Thanksgiving?
0: It was fun. I went home to West Virginia. I was there for a week, and my family... From Maryland came down and we, you know, rode on the side by side. I'm also like starting to figure out what I want to do decoration wise for Christmas. And my dad had gotten these. I, well, I said, I was like, you know, I really, last year I wrapped my balcony with lights and it was like, it took a while. And then I – it was really cold when I had to take him down. It snowed a whole lot last January. And I was like, you know, what can I do that's like a simple way of like putting – And I was like, I'm going to put icicles around my balcony. I tried to look on Pinterest for ideas, but there's none. And so I don't know if I'm starting the trend, but I'm sure other people have done it. But I'm just going to string icicles around my balcony and I may do greenery, I may do other things, but the icicles I bought do different options. But before I bought the – and yeah, I did. no one can see. I just d- did my hands. But before I bought, my dad was like, oh, I got some icicles out of storage if you want, you know, to see. You know, I was like, oh, I'll take – you know, I don't usually get things out of storage because I'm a germaphobe. I'm like, these are going to go outside and – I don't care if they're used. And they were actually looked all new, but none of them worked. These people of stored useless. Uh, maybe when they first stored them, they weren't useless, but they became useless. You can't my replace the battery. I mean, the... Well, metal. okay, so you sound like my dad, but not batteries because they were plug-ins. But he was like, all you have to do is go through each individual light it's and true, jiggle the light it. And- and then
1: you just get rid of it and then you put the new light in.
0: Yeah, so we moved (laughs) to California for Christmas a couple years ago or like after – it was in between Christmas and New Year's. We went to visit my now 94 year – I think so she was like – this was like 10 years ago. Her husband, who has unfortunately passed away since then, spent all the time we were there working on Christmas lights. And I was like, I am not turning into Uncle Bob. Just sitting and going through lights. I have a job, like I don't have hours to go through. So I found, I found some working ones on Amazon that have different options, and they were on sale because it was like the. Well, black there you go, and, and they're, new. They're, see, they yeah, they're new.
1: They're see, they were new. They're
0: brand new, and no germs. So there you go. No, no germs. and I don't have to sit and wiggle each individual light. Um, that's like my dad said. That's true. To try That's to, to eat. yeah, hundreds, hundreds. Of, and there were icicles. So icicles have like, you know, a couple lights on each strand. Oh, before. no, it's so, so pretty. I love it. I yeah. Love well, no, I'm just saying it would have taken me ages. Anyway. This episode was with John Matthews, who is a filmmaker that grew up in West Virginia. He now lives in California, and we just spoke to him and had a really great conversation. I'm excited for the things that he is doing with Appalachian Arts Academy, as well as the Appalachian Queer Film Festival that's coming to Huntington, and so I just found it really great.
1: I hope you enjoy this episode, because I did.
0: Hello, everyone. We are here with John Matthews. I messaged him over Instagram. He's originally from West Virginia. You grew up in West Virginia. Then you went to NYU uh, for film, I think, or no, law. Was it law originally? You were like a lawyer and then- I went
2: to to WVU for law and oh. then I went to NYU for film.
0: Okay. I did not see that. And no. I know I saw where it said no. that you were you were a civil rights lawyer originally, correct? Yes, that's before right. Before becoming a filmmaker. And you've kind of carried that through your career as a filmmaker and you have different foundations and things like that. Um, how did you, how come you wanted to be a lawyer and how did you transition to be a filmmaker?
2: Well, I, I guess the law side, I always had a, um, you know, a passion for, uh, civil rights. And, you know, in undergrad, I studied sociology and and with the emphasis on stratification in society and and was just really, that kind of steered me, I guess, towards civil rights law. And, um, you know, I, th- I went to, to law school to, to do that and uh, didn't really find many people doing it in law school. I was, especially at WVU, I was one of the only ones who we're kind of going down that path. There are a lot of people go there to to work for defense firms that defend coal companies and, and industry. And uh, I really loved what I did. I got out, and um, you know, I was a uh, I did employment uh, law. I did um, I worked for the ACLU. Uh, my last job was legal director of the ACLU of Connecticut. So I um, d- did a lot of great work. Um, As far as you know i could sleep at night i felt good about what i did but it was never my passion you know like um growing up i was i I was always kind of this uh nerdy artsy kid that liked to draw comic books and write them and uh that um you know i just never had any kind of role models i guess growing up as far as artists go like that was just a thing that you you know you may be did on the side or arts and crafts or those kind of things, but it wasn't a career. And, um, yeah, I just, um, you know, while I was practicing law, I would just, I would rent, uh, you know, like stacks of movies, check out from the library, you know, like whole director's catalogs and just like watch them in a weekend and just kind of, uh, you know, had this, this desire that just kept getting bigger and bigger to go into film. And um, I turned 30 and 31 and, and uh, decided, you know, if I'm thinking about doing this, I should just do it. So I applied to one film school, which was my dream school, NYU. And um, I didn't know anything about him. I was like, I felt like it would jinx me if I even Googled film schools. But um, I, I saw uh, Spike Lee give a talk at WVU. And he talked about going to NYU, of course. So I was like, that's that's where I want to go, where Spike Lee went. And uh, I, um, you know, you have to make a film for your application, a short film. So I never didn't know anything about making films, watched a lot of movies, but never made one. So I just got a camera at Target. And I just made a movie. I didn't know any actors, so I acted in it myself. And it was just a movie about a young lawyer who was nervous for court. And uh, I showed it to a friend before I submitted it. And she's like, it's terrible. <laughs> so you know, I'd already like taken the camera back and got my money back because cameras are expensive. So I had to go to Target and get the camera again and, you know, like make the whole thing over. And that was that's my. How
1: school, that, that's how art school was for me. Like i Micah, they had me go back and redo it before I got in because they were like, oh, really? "This." She was just like, she loved most of it, but then she's like, "This, what is this?" Because I did over. 40 pieces for different schools and it was just awful that she's like yeah you gotta go do this but I think what was great was I got the handwritten leather afterwards and then you're like okay I guess it was worth you saying it sucks but it really really sucked that you said it so I get it I yeah.
0: oh,
2: I'm, I'm glad yeah you had a similar experience but yeah I think they just got my name I, my name is really common John Matthews I think they got it mixed up with somebody else but I, I got into NYU and uh, yeah, then i like. would be a
0: great film. Or there's the uh, John Green book, uh, Will Will something, Will something. Like he writes about these two boys with the same name and it's Will. And I feel like you could kind of do something similar. They have like the same kind of path <laughs> and they cross paths in a way, but not really.
2: I love John <laughs> I Green. I personally Anna think
0: Rose. you got in.
1: I think you got in just because you're good at you were good. I mean, what was the film about, if you don't mind me asking?
0: And he said yeah, it was a no. lawyer, right? The- oh, a yeah, lawyer, that's the- right. I'm sorry. The yeah, I mean like, how long was yeah, it?
2: It I don't know. It was like five minutes or something. It was just me like mm-hmm. in the mirror trying to prepare for my oral argument and that kind of thing and dealing with other stresses in my life. Uh, oh. uh you know,
0: was I, it, 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 kind of reality then? Like it was, it like almost- yeah, yeah.
2: I tried to shoot it. Like, I really love the Dardenne brothers back then and still do. I was trying to shoot it in kind of this way. I didn't really know how to edit. So I did it basically in really long, one really long cut, which, you know, that's, people were like, oh, that's really cool. But I, did, I didn't do it because I thought it was really cool. I did it because I didn't really know how to edit. So uh that was that was my excuse for that and that's probably why i had to do it over again too from my friend that said it was it was not good it was because um because of that but, but you yeah I, I got her I,
0: for getting in because she yeah. like if you had submitted the original yeah right
2: yeah and then uh yeah they i i'm like how am i going to pay for this you know it's like one of the most expensive schools around and and i already had debt from law school and undergrad so um the next day uh, I got a letter in the mail saying I had a full scholarship full tuition scholarship so I was I was like this is this is meant you're to like, be Thank you other John you.
0: Matthews
2: yeah exactly you're <laughs> really good <laughs> whoever you are.
0: You're like is this the true you know, thing So I did see that you were Spike Lee's assistant right So how did that happen? Did you say like hey I heard you speak at WBU? And now let me be your assistant.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, so, uh, Spike is amazing because, you know, he could just be, if he wanted to put his name on whatever at NYU, he could, and just say, Oh, I'm the creative director and teach and never show up and never do off office hours or anything. But he, he is so good to the students. He, he, I mean, he shows up for every class, teaches, brings in these amazing guests and, um, and holds office hours where he actually like reads your scripts and watches your films and gives you feedback, which, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't need to do that. And, uh, he has a teaching assistant because, because he schedules so many office hours. So I was, uh, uh, you know, applying to, to be that. And, um, you know what, he, I'd, I had a relationship with him because he was watching a cut of this film that I was making. I, I made a documentary called surviving cliffside. That was, um, uh, set in my hometown of Allen Creek, West Virginia. And it's about my 10 year old cousin who survives leukemia and makes a run for little miss West Virginia. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of the, the father's addicted to opioids and there's kind of a lot of drugs and guns and violence and different things. And, you know, Spike was giving me feedback through the, you know, through my whole like shooting process. And, uh, I kind of had a relationship with him through that. And, um, Yeah, I just, I remember him asking me, he's like, what's, you know, why, if you and your cousin were in this similar situation, you know, brought up kind of the same, same kind of everything, you know, like uh, level of income with your parents and environment and things like that, how come you turned out the way you did and he turned out the way he did and addicted to drugs or, you know, whatever these bad circumstances in life. And I guess that's like the softball where you're supposed to say something great about yourself in the interview. And I just said, you know, I think it was luck. Um, You know, I don't think I'm any smarter than him. Uh, I don't think I'm any, you know, really more talented than him in different ways. He's a great writer, uh, great artist in different ways. And I I just think a lot of it, uh, you know, a lot of it was luck and, I don't know, just having, being honest with him and kind of having that relationship with him before is is how I got him. And yeah, it came full circle because that's why I went to NYU's for because of Spike Lee. And and he ended up awarding me a grant that um, funded, funded Cliffside. And uh, that was the thing that it got into South by Southwest. And that was kind of what launched my career. So thanks to Spike.
0: Yeah, that's really awesome. And I'm from Boone County. So I passed by Alam Creek, like anytime I would go to Charleston. I mean, I don't live there now. And I always just think of like Chuck Yeager. But I can kind of relate, you know, being from Bingham County, there is, you know, a very big opioid, um, you know, crisis. And it it's like people I went to school with, that I look at their lives and my life, and I'm like, I don't, And like, I thought they would be more successful than me. And it's kind of like a really hard thing to kind of like cope with. And I do believe it's just luck. You were in the right place at the right time. And unfortunately, they were at the wrong place at the wrong time and went down a completely different path. How's your cousin now? Or do you want to cite or do we have to watch the movie or documentary?
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, so, you know, we're really close. Um, you know, we call each other brother and he's, he's been on and off of opioids and he's six months clean from heroin right now. And, uh, is the, the kids that were in the film that were like 10 and eight at the time are now 17 and 16. And, um, I I'd love to go back, you know f- and do a follow-up for for when they graduate high school because um, they're like straight-a students um, they're um, involved in extracurricular basketball cheerleading different things they're just great kids and um you know it's, it's funny that you know the movie's called surviving cliffside and, and they they survived it i mean she she beat cancer and um she's you know healthy now and she's she's kind of Thrive through all these these different circumstances. They both have, and um, yeah, I'm really proud of them.
1: We had a, we dealt with that in our family with Crystal Math. So I, uh, even though it's not like that, it it's very hard and it takes a toll on the family. So it's
0: it's a lot. So. Yeah. Yeah. So and I'm you, glad also you made that film. So from that film, is that how you started your nonprofit Appalachian Arts Academy that helps fight the opioid crisis?
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's kind of what what got me into it. And, um, uh, you know, it's 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 uh, there. They're they're kind of different branches to it. uh, There's, you know, one part of it where it's, you know, I didn't have any role models. You know, like I said, you know, I don't know how it was for you in Boone County, but just knowing any artist and and having these classes where I, you know, kind of connect with with young people in in Appalachia and, you know, maybe teach them film or have an acting class or um, uh, photography class or cinematography class and, you know, and, and bring in guest speakers where they can be like, oh, this is this is you know, somebody that's where, I, from where I'm from, who's, who's, who actually does this stuff and it's not crazy and it's not something I just see on TV or in the movies. That's, that's fiction, you know, it, it can really happen. So that's part of it. And I also, um, also part of that nonprofit is the Appalachian Queer Film Festival, which I, I co-founded with um, Tim Ward, who kind of I should give all the credit to because it was his idea and his um you know, really, you know, thought that created it all. And he just came to me and was like, Oh, I don't know anything about film festivals. Will you help me with it? And I'm like, "What? Well, what's the idea? And he's like, Appalachian Queer Film Festival. I'm like, Yes, you have me at Appalachian yes, Queer Film that's Festival. That's
1: awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, yes.
2: And, uh, you know, I love that idea from the beginning. And, um, yeah, we, we, that, so that was, part of what, what we've done with the nonprofit. And, um, you know, we had, uh, one of the, the, we had the first, um, trans woman to be nominated for an Indi- independent spirit award at our festival. And, uh, we've had, you know, Sundance directors, uh, you know, South by directors can directors there. So we've, uh, for a little film festival, we've really, um, I'm really proud of it. And we've, we've been featured in like Indie wire and Huffington post. And, um, so is totally undeserved on my part, but vice magazine named us, uh, one of 50 LGBTQ, uh, rights activists in 50 States. Oh uh, it's totally undeserved. I could think of 50 more in West Virginia that deserve it more than us. But I think but we've, still. we've gotten a lot of press because, because of our name and because of, you know, some of what we've done, but, um, yeah, really proud of that. one. we're, we're having, uh, we're kind of restarting after COVID. And we have our next festival in 2023 in uh, October, in Huntington, West Virginia, for the first time yeah. at the Foundry Theatre, which is a really, really, really cool venue this doing a lot of neat stuff. that I'm excited to be a, be a part of that one and working with, uh, with, uh, you know, a lot of uh, different queer organizations in West Virginia and Huntington in particular.
0: So, if people want to like volunteer for that or work with you on that, what can they do? Because I know a lot of people from Huntington listen, or like I went to Marshall, so there's a lot of people. On oh, it. nice. Great. I was going to ask about yeah. that, especially with work. That'd be great.
2: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Volunteer. And if you have a film, you know, we haven't officially opened up um, submissions yet because, uh, you know, being a Marshall alum, you'll know that you can't do anything until the the football schedule comes down so we're waiting for the football schedule and once that comes down we'll be able to officially put our film festival in uh, a weekend in october so once that comes down we'll have a film freeway you know link where people can submit but for now you can you know hit me up on instagram at john matthews wv and um you know tell me about your film and and send it to me and and you know well i'll um uh, unofficially add it to the add it to the batch and officially add it to the to the batch once we get our date.
0: I'll have to let – so this guy that I went to church with growing up, he went to – he just graduated from Marshall, and he really wants to get into film, and his grandmother came up to me like, I know anything about film, and she was like, Hannah, can you can you help uh, JJ? And I was like, I don't know anybody, but I really should send him to you now because I'm like, I don't know. Because like, he's like, making his like first film and trying to get into you know doing stuff, so I'll have to be like, oh, just get – a camera from Target and uh, film
2: yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I'd love, I'd love to help JJ. And oh, I I should also mention. So the, the Instagram for the Appalachian queer film festival is Appalachian queer film fest. So that's also available if people want to check out more. And um, that's also the name of the website too. uh, Appalachianqueerfilmfest.com.
0: That's really awesome that you're doing that and being like a more inclusive type of thing and like helping. So the is like the funds, do they go to something or like, is it just to help the queer community of West Virginia or how the film
2: festival? Mm -hmm. Well, we're, we're totally 501c3 nonprofit. So uh, yeah, any, I mean, ticket sales and everything goes back into the nonprofit and we use it to make the next festival.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know if there was yeah. like some sort of other thing you raise money for, but it's just like the festival going.
2: Scholarships for the Appalachian arts Academy and things like that. Well, it, that's totally free and uh, everybody volunteers to, to teach and everything like that. So yeah, oh. we're, we pretty much do everything on a, on a, on a shoestring. Um, And what we use to fund the festival is, you know, basically a break-even. We sell ads in the programs and, and things like that. And, and Rachel's from Foundry is, has been, you know, so generous in, in hosting us and partnering with us and, and letting us use the, the, it's a really beautiful space. Um, it's right above the Foundry theater is right above city hall. I mean, it's in city hall, but it's like, you go upstairs and there's this amazing theater that, you know, I don't know if it was built the same time as Keith Albee, but it's like, you know, you get that same kind of vibe. But it's like, yeah, Keith you know, Albee is
0: gorgeous. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, it's it's not Keith Albee, but it's very, you know, of that era, you know?
0: Yeah, that's yeah. really awesome. How do people take those classes then? Like, like how do they, can they sign up or can they, is there a website for that too?
2: Yeah. Feel free to to have people, um, you know, hit me up on Instagram and, uh, every, uh, usually semester we'll start up a class and, um, you know, really it's, I thought the biggest problem would be trying to find people to volunteer to teach or, um, you know, just that kind of end of it. But really the hardest part has been, um, getting um, people to attend the class, you know, getting students. So
0: oh, um, really? just
2: getting people to know about it. And um, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of hard because we kind of want to target um, students that, you know, maybe not be able to afford this otherwise. Uh, but we, may, you know, I don't want it. I, I want to make it as kind of inclusive as possible, but also like if you could afford to, you know, maybe, uh have your pay to have your kid take this class somewhere else maybe somebody let somebody else take it kind of thing so it's it's been hard I've I've reached out to to teachers and um, you know different kind of community leaders and community centers the the community center in Kanawha County Kanawha City has been great helping me out and helping me kind of identify students and And things like that but yeah that's been our biggest challenge so i'm I'm glad i'm on this on this show to get the word out
0: yeah and i can definitely pass some information to like boone county schools like scott and sherman and like um some van that we only have three high schools so those are but i can let some people know and they can let students know so do they is it virtual when they actually attend or how does that work
2: We've done, we've done both. We've done virtual and we've done uh, in-person classes. I I did an acting class in person and I've done a couple of them in, in, in West Virginia. And, uh, you know, I kind of feel like we get a bigger turnout with virtual uh, but it's not as sustained. Like we'll get more uh, per class, but then it's like, you know, having, getting the same, kids to show up every class is harder than when you have an in-person for whatever reason
0: yeah well i think transportation for some kids like if they can't already afford like a certain class like getting transportation and like just working with the schedule i feel like it's a lot easier once you're on a computer Um, when you're on a
2: computer yeah 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 totally
0: yeah, especially in that area. I don't know, like how far? What is your radius for the the course? You just stay to kind County, or is it open to like?
2: You know college? what? I it's it's pretty open. I I think we've we've had students as far south as Georgia, oh, and wow. as far north as Wheeling. So wow. <laughs> it's you know it's kind of it's we don't go all the way up to Maine for Appalachia, but we've we've <laughs> we spanned some of it. You know there've been you know, maybe some, some North Carolina and Virginia. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's really, it's really open and, um, you know, it's, it's really about just, uh, you know, kids that are interested in and, and want to participate.
0: That's really awesome. We'll make sure also in the episode notes of this episode, that kind of include that information. So if people are listening or if they know somebody, they can kind of like, do that so do you have like future plans for the classes and the festival and things like that
2: yeah yeah the big the big future plans right now is with the festival so we're going to open up submissions in January and this this is a great thing to get out there so our criteria is kind of uh queer filmmakers uh producers directors uh is is kind of one uh, way to qualify. And the other way is, is queer content. And um, it, the third thing that's not kind of a deal breaker, but kind of fits into our program is if it's kind of rural uh, in, you know, content, subject matter, um, you know, location, things like that. So if it, if it checks all of those boxes, then, you know, that that's something we love to have in the festival. And, um, you know, we're really trying to, we've, you know, I can. I kind of think I've done a better job of finding, um, you know, kind of the 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 bigger films that that play it play at some of the bigger film festivals. I, you know, make it a point to go to Outfest every year here and and just kind of mine Outfest for 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 all the kind of rural gyms and uh, especially you know Appalachian or or, or um, you know if there are West Virginia gyms in there and. Uh, you know, kind of bringing those to 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 the region, uh, but I w- I really this year want to focus on on West Virginia filmmakers and discovering new filmmakers and and getting people there and and you know kind of having a community feel around the film festival that is not just an audience coming and attending and then they leave, but you know a community of filmmakers that are coming there and um, you know not just to you know, our our mission is not just kind of to expose uh, West Virginians to new films or Appalachians to new films, but also to bring in filmmakers from outside the region and show them, you know, maybe this is not the place you thought it was, you know. Maybe, you know, Red State, West Virginia is a little bit different and a little bit more open-minded in a lot of ways that you didn't think, you know, and that, that we have this festival, you know, and that we... You know, I, I find that in a lot of, you know, I have friends in Utah, I have friends in you know a lot of different red states uh, around the country. And, you know, I find that because they're kind of up against it all the time, they're way more progressive, you know, per capita, I guess, you know, than uh, L.A., you know, or San Francisco or, you know, where you kind of assume that everything is going to be cool all the time, you know. And you don't really have to to work and to fight you know in west virginia you got to fight you know you got to fight or it's going to slip away you know so uh i i want to show people that you know this is the home of the fighters
0: well, and, I mean, West Virginia has been fighters. I mean, look at – I mean, I grew up where Blair Mountain happened, did the coal miner, you know, were and, like, the coal miners against the government. And, I mean, what people tend to forget is they were very liberal. You know, it's very recent that, unfortunately, they've turned completely red. But it's always been that very, like, stand-up for the small guy and, and support. And, I mean, I also tell people – like, when I was in high school – My friend who was a lesbian went to prom with her girlfriend and nobody did. You told me that. And nobody said anything. And, like, she was a sophomore and you can only go if you're a junior or senior. So that had to be, like, approved. And nobody even, you know, like, batted an eye. Like, they just went and, like, you know pictures together and we rode together and nobody like I was with them all day so I know you know nobody said anything and so it's like very shocking to me like maybe people didn't realize what was going on that there were two girls going together and they weren't in the same grade or anything and that's how it slipped by or maybe people were just okay with it because you know our principal was but I think it's like a very misconception that we are these like h- horrible human beings there. So I think that's really great. We you judge a book
1: by its cover and it's really messed up. Well it's not just the book
0: by its cover, yeah. but it's people thinking of a stereotype and that's not that's no, as a enough, West Virginian though. I grew up thinking like, Oh, stereotypes are not true because I don't fit, mm-hmm. you know, a Boone County stereotype. So I know that other you know, groups and minorities aren't going to fit that stereotype because I don't. And I think it really, like, helps you have that more open mind at times, too.
2: Yeah. I, you know, I, I think what makes the news is when, you know, West Virginia kind of fits the narrative, you know, and when they're, you know, like a few months ago when we had the state senator that made all those transphobic comments, you know, that gets publicized because, yeah, of course, that's what happens in rural places that it, people are closed-minded and bigoted and you know let's let's spread the news on that and you know i always think back to that um the daily show or with stephen colbert when he mm-hmm. went to uh, that little town in in uh, jefferson you know in Kanawha county that was mm-hmm. like it's all strip clubs and like used cars places and stuff like that and they were the mayor there. was gonna, uh, well, I mean, uh, yeah, maybe I should, there are more, there's more to Jefferson, but it's just like a couple blocks. Right. And, um, the mayor's gay, or it was at the time and, you know, he, he kind of went into it, you know, Stephen Colbert is kind of joking and, you know, his, his shtick is to, you know, you know, kind of act like he's, he's serious and deadpan, but you know, it's really uh, the audience is in on the joke and you kind of s- set it up. Like every, everybody's going to be against this, this, this guy running for mayor. And everybody's cool with it. Everybody's just like, oh, well, you know, I, I've known Jim or whatever his name is for for 10 years, and he's a good guy. You know, I know his mom. And, you know, and people were fine with it. It was a very live and let live, not even a big deal kind of thing in this not super progressive bastion of Appalachia, you know, just in a normal, you know, kind of, uh, you know, you could – blink and pass by it kind of town. So uh, I think there's a lot more of that and a lot less of the stereotypical places in West Virginia than people think.
0: Yeah. I just mentioned the U-Haul place because my dad's a U-Haul dealer. So I'm just like, oh, the U-Haul. And I definitely know all the hookers and like, we've been at a stoplight there and someone tried to get in my dad's truck. And I was like, in the truck with him, and I was like, ah, like so. That's what oh, that's what use, I think. Use and cars,
2: like, use cars. I, I uh, use cars is what I meant. Which that's not even better than U haul, I guess. That's, but it, yes, it, 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 yeah, I would, I should, I should not. Uh, Jefferson's going to get on me for this, but yeah, way <laughs> to go, Jefferson.
0: <laughs> yeah, they have you know they're the little strip yeah. and stuff, but um, yeah, I know, and and that's why I like interviewing people here. I live in the D.C. area, and I'm like, I feel like have interviewing a lot of people and artists from West Virginia. Hopefully, if somebody in this area is listening, they can kind of change their mind and I and a little bit about West Virginia and that it's not what you think it is. And it is this really great, like, people and culture and, um, you know, I probably will never live there again, but it like holds that special place and I want to support people that are there and artists and so I think it's really great that you're you know giving back and going back and doing you've not forgotten where you've come from
2: yeah I just think it's crazy I mean I really it really bugs me all these kind of quote-unquote liberals and progressive types that you know it's it's of course you know, never make a homophobic comment or a racist comment. But it's cool to say white trash. You know, it's cool to to, to make these kind of classes comments about mm-hmm. you know people that I grew up with or, or my family or whomever that are in Appalachia that you know that we all we all know. And uh, you know, why can't why is it why is it that cancelable? You know, why is it cool to 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 say things like that about you know people that are poor? You know, or people people that, that, that grew up a certain way or dress a certain way or talk a certain way, you know? So I, I I think that's, um, you know, and that's, 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 you know, part of it, I think what's wrong maybe with the larger democratic party is that people kind of don't acknowledge that just because you have an accent doesn't mean your IQ is lower, you know, or that you don't have something to say or that your, uh, your, your vote is not worth it or, Uh, You know, whatever the stereotype might be.
0: Yeah. And it turns people away. And also, I think um, a lot of like the racist rhetoric is they have to try to find somebody that's less than them. So if they are, you know, that white trash, then they're looking at something like, okay, what can be beneath me? And then the, trump people it was like calling their name because they were spoken to that because you know like they were quote unquote heard and yeah so but i completely understand and i talk so much about like the accent because my dad has such a thick accent and my mom's from northern pennsylvania and the people that have said things to him just because of his accent or when i was little i had a thicker accent and people would be like "Oh, talk talk, you know, like do this. And I think that's what made me not have that accent anymore. But like the way people will talk about my dad when he's like standing in the room because he has that accent or because and the way people, you know, will judge someone um, or look at him and think. and my dad is a very progressive, you know, person, but people outside won't think that he is. And he can start quite a few things because people judge him uh but uh which is really great but um it's just yeah I I grew up with that and I always like think I talk to a lot of people about accents like people um that will judge about accents or really wonder like I wish I could break down accents a little bit more but being in this area and people are like oh I don't have an accent um and I'm like everyone has an accent and you shouldn't judge everyone has accent. an accent and everyone has yeah someone. so i i can compl- sorry i'm going to go down on like a rabbit hole <sighs> of like things but yeah i cannot stand people judging and i have a co-worker that lives in oklahoma and we were like talking about that too like she's pretty successful but she has that thick oklahoma oakley oak I think she said Oki, okay, you know, accent and like just being judged yeah. on that. Like you go into a room and people don't take you seriously because you, you know, have a little Southern twang. Um, yes. my, mom
2: experienced-
0: got, my, my mom got that though with her Boston accent. Yeah. Mm. well just like accents. Many but have times. you experienced anything like that or like outside of... <coughs> Sorry, my. Oh, no, it's okay. The baby got me sick. <laughs> oh no! Um,
2: Aww. Yeah, we were at Disneyland uh, for his first
0: birthday. Yeah, just
2: turned one. And oh, uh, happy he,
1: the birthday!
2: Yeah, he was. Uh, we got through a few rides before he got like hives all over and a fever. So uh, you know, he's he's better now. But now, uh, my wife and I both have this. But. It's okay, but what you what I was going to say about your point was so I co-produced a film called Hillbilly that both of your points uh, called Hillbilly that speaks to a lot of this. I we have Bill Hooks on there talking about you know kind of why the uh, white people referring to other white people as white trash, you know, kind of um, how that's so much so much less acceptable than you know kind of the 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 the, even the racist rhetoric against black poor people you know because it kind of is a is this mirror that that could be you you know kind of thing and um there's a lot of uh uh talking there about code switching, uh, you know, changing your accent to, you know, depending on who's in the room and, you know, if you're at a job interview versus at a bar with your your friends in Boone County. And uh, yeah, a r- really cool film that I, I wasn't director on. I was just co producer. Um, so I, I feel like I can brag on it more. But we, we won the LA Film Festival with that and was we're long listed for um, Academy Award uh, nomination. So uh, that one's on Hulu. If people want to check it out, it's called Hillbilly with a lowercase h.
0: I'll have to watch it tonight while I work on this. No, that's really cool. And I know we're like way past time, but but oh, my one question was: Have you experienced anything with like your accent or someone noticing your accent or anything like going into a room or? Thing. Oh, my God. Well, it's the
2: same way you were talking about, Hannah, like going, you know, like it, it's funny, like I went the first time I really experienced this when I went away, quote unquote, to college at West Virginia University, you know, which is like, what, two and a half hours from where I grew up or whatever, but might as well be, you know, another state because there's so many students there from New Jersey and from all over and and you know it was right away when i was there that everybody's like oh where are you from and it was so looked down upon to be from west virginia and go to wv you know for for whatever reason and that's you know that's really when i started to to you know kind of oh how how can i change the way I talk so it fits in with the way you talk and I'm not constantly you know the after saying my name that people aren't like oh where are you from you know <laughs> I just wanted to just have a normal conversation with people without it instantly going to oh you you've got this really thick accent you must be from a trailer somewhere so um, yeah yeah definitely and the, my first experience was at WVU
1: Oh, is that a new shirt? Oh, you notice my new white shirt?
0: Of course I noticed it right away. It came in the mail today. I couldn't wait to put it on for today's show. And hopefully our listeners know that you can not only order white, but black, pink, and blue t-shirts on our website, www.whatidliketotellpeople.com.
1: They can even receive 15% off by using our listener code, Telling People, found in our episode notes. So make sure before going back to our show that you order your merch now. Sean, what would you like to tell people?
2: What I like to tell people is that Appalachia is pronounced Appalachia and not Appalachia. It's like throw an apple at you. And uh, we are way more than what you think we are. We are filmmakers, we are artists, we are progressive people, we are open-minded people, we are uh, conservative people that are open-minded. And we invite anyone who is queer and a filmmaker to submit to our film festival, um, you can hit me up on Instagram at John Matthews WV, at, or Appalachian queer film fest, uh, on Instagram. And, uh, we'll start, uh, collecting films and accepting submissions in January. And, um, the festival will be in October of 2023 in Huntington, West Virginia. So I look forward to everybody, uh, submitting their films and to watching them on the big screen in Huntington.
0: Thank you so much for coming on. And I really hope that people that are listening are able to contact you and enter into the film festival and also attend your classes. Hopefully, people will start attending and you'll get more, um, you know, participants. Cause
2: yeah, definitely. That's what it's all Thanks about. for doing this podcast and having me on. This is awesome. You, you, this is uh, inspiring to me to know that this is out there and that you are doing what you're doing. So thank you.
0: Oh well, thank you. You're inspiring. You. It's really great that you at age 30 decided to change. yeah that's how Rachel.
1: I think it's um, it's amazing and just learning about every different types of art from all types is just amazing. and I just want every word to get out there, especially with West Virginia because I have so many friends from there now, so an artist. So I just think it's great yeah. and I can't wait where, for where us you to from, continue. For promote you guys. I'm from Northern Virginia, but um my uh my uh family, my grandmother actually uh, came from a small town though in Massachusetts. So she came from like a more area where they judged her for being kind of, you know, they didn't make much money. Her father was a mechanic, so yeah she was the outsider up
2: there <laughs> okay on um, hillbilly there are two two directors and one of the directors is from y- your neck of the woods in massachusetts and the other one's from uh Kentucky. so uh see that's yeah, why i'm different- excited
1: because that's what you were saying oh cool i'm so excited uh, to yeah. watch it
2: now and they'll probably see people that you you know on there and may have had on the show <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? I just love meeting everyone. You know, everyone has a story to tell, and I don't care where you're from because everyone's special that way. So.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Definitely. Well, thank you, thank you for letting me like reach out on Instagram and just like agreeing without knowing who I am. So I oh, yeah. you
2: that. Oh yeah. Thanks for having me on. You ever need anything? Let me know. If you ever have any, you know. Uh, like you're talking about JJ or whomever that needs any, any advice or wants to show their film to somebody. Uh, I'm happy to, to help. Yeah, I will I'm,
0: definitely yeah. try to contact him tonight. His uh, family owns the funeral, Hanley's funeral home in Madison. And so they definitely have Uh-oh. money, but I feel like they want him to go into the funeral business. He's <laughs> like the, cause his dad's in the funeral business, his grandfather, his great great, oh, no. you know? So I think they're like film, like what, what, you don't want to, you know, embalm right. people. Like, so I think they think he has a joke, like, career aspect, you know. Yeah, yeah. So. definitely have him talk
1: to him because I think that will be an inspiration to see and maybe listen to our episode, too.
0: Yeah, so um. he just graduated. So I'll try – I'm friends with his sister, but – so I may have to message her and be, like, hey – i need your brother's information um, <laughs> and then well,
2: I, was- up, yeah, I went to the the you know to a to a wake or a funeral like every week you know so i've been to that funeral home many many times oh
0: really oh, well that's yeah, sad yeah. but yeah so you probably have seen his grandfather who was like bald he's like always um ira well, hanley we-
2: yeah we go there and then we go to the park avenue restaurant and eat
0: Okay. Yeah. Park Avenue. I call it Gain Nails because that was the original owner. And so oh. my dad calls it by the lady's name. Yeah. So it's like, I know it is Gay Nails. And I really like the name Gay Els. I was like, they should just stick at that. But yeah. That's a good name. That's a yeah. Good unfortunately, game. Betty, who is the one that was like always at the table. Did you ever meet anybody that worked there? Or I don't think
2: oh.
0: so. Yeah. Just I always remember by? the
2: open face. Roast beef and turkey sandwiches and that kind of thing, and the rolls that were really good there. Yeah, their rolls are good.
0: Well, thank you. We'll let you go because we know. Well, I guess you. It's like what five there? Yeah. So it's now dark. Yeah. So, well, thank you. Um, and yeah, we'll keep in touch thank and just make so sure much. you.
2: Thank you all. So nice to meet you.
0: a great time to pause and tell everyone to subscribe so they will be notified of our next episode. It isn't like you have anything else to do, right? Exactly. Make sure to like us
1: on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Stay healthy, everyone, and now back
0: to our show. Hannah, what did you think about this episode? I, you know, once again, I always say when someone's from West Virginia, like, I'm always biased. I really liked it, but so, John actually rescheduled. I think like this was the third time. So, we had a couple other um, times and he had to reschedule. So, this was the third time, third time we had something on the calendar, I should say. So, third time's a charm. But I really, you know, enjoyed talking to him and finding out like how he went from being a civil rights lawyer to, um, getting into film and going to NYU and getting in and now living in California and actually, you know, working on films and living his dream. And as he mentioned, like, you don't see that, like, growing up in West Virginia, at least for me, it's like, you know, my mom was a teacher. My dad was originally a coal miner, owned his own business. Like, you pretty much, at least as, like, a woman, you see teacher, nurse, secretary, things like that. You don't see – like, I never – knew what I do was possible it's like oh I originally you know wanted to be like a fashion photographer because I watched some stuff on tv and that's what I why I went into photography and um but I never dreamed of you know different things and so I think it's really cool that he's going back into the community showing kids like hey look I didn't think this was possible but look what I'm doing it is possible And I think, you know, there's probably kids that don't even know that's a possibility for them or even think about that's what they want to do because that's not what their parents are doing. So being able to see that and go um, back is really cool. And I hope he has more participants in his Appalachian Arts Academy because it's really cool um, that it is helping, um, you know, fund – And fight the opioids, not fun, but fight the opioid crisis. And I think also things like that help kids get into things because I always say a lot of people I graduated high school with, they're the ones that are in drugs or like, you know, overdosing or I've had quite a few people I've graduated with. And unfortunately, I always say it's because they didn't have things to do. You know, I was, I was constantly busy, you know, I was, you know, the editor of the newspaper, I was in the newspaper, you know, junior, senior year, I, you know, was in the marching band, I was in strings, like I, my parents made sure I was in like every after school thing, but that cost money. And there's uh, not really much you can do that doesn't cost money. So if you don't have parents that are, you know, well off or have the resources, there's really nowhere to hang out in my hometown, nowhere to do, the the fun thing to do is do drugs. And that's, you know, once you do, you know, certain drugs, then you just, you know, you don't realize it's going to be addicting, that one pill that's in, you know, your parents medicine cabinet, or unfortunately, you know, the doctors have prescribed over prescribed, you get 50 pills for something that uh, you may only need five pills for and you end up having that extra when you no longer need it and you just happen to take them and you go down and it's not just, you know, an Appalachian problem, it's a United States problem, but unfortunately in those rural towns there's not the resources. There's not other things. So then they they do the opioids and then they end up getting on meth and then, you know, or and they pass away and and um you know, and so just, and we talked about, you know, like the funeral home and going there and the, that is just very unfortunate, but I'm really, you know, I think he's doing some really amazing things. I'm so excited to see um, you know, where he'll go. I'm excited. I hope people that are listening to this episode will watch out for the um, Appalachian Queer Film Festival that will be in Huntington in 2023 and volunteer and participate because I think it's just a really amazing thing. And I'm glad I learned about it. What did you think about this episode? I find it really interesting,
1: especially when you have a career pivot and also. Of course, another fellow West Virginian. So that's not with me, obviously, with you. But, you know, I I feel like one sometimes. Anyways, um, with John, I find that the fact that he brings his civil rights to, with like with law and everything into also his film has also really helped to create this film festival because you also have the passion and the drive to create something so wonderful for the community that it's like you already had these tools you know from a different career you were going to take and now you're using it for this other career for which is just as important especially the arts um because not many people bring the arts to smaller communities and more rural areas and it's really unfortunate too because uh they're overlooked and as you were saying that uh you don't get those opportunities like most of us do. So the fact that he and others even are volunteering, coming up with classes to bring along with virtual classes, so they could be brought to them no matter what is very, very phenomenal. And I find that, the fact is, I just also just found him really, really interesting. And the fact that he uh, learned from Spike Lee is pretty darn cool, too. But I truly, truly, even though that's a cool fact, I truly love what he's doing with the film festival, especially with the queer film festival, because that gives so much a voice, especially with, I mean, should always give a voice, but especially with right now that is happening, I feel that it is needed more than ever and I am very proud that we had him on the show and I can't wait to hear more of what he's done
0: so mm-hmm. yeah no and it and it, it helps to get out so anyway um, not sure what next week's episode will be so we will stay tuned for that
1: What I'd like to tell people is an independent podcast recorded and edited by us, Rachel and Hannah. Our
0: theme song is written and recorded by Sean Price.
1: Please like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube.
0: Make sure to subscribe to our show so you can receive the latest episode. Also, rate and review our episodes so we can receive more listeners.
1: Go to our website www.whatidliketotellpeople.com. Find the link and more information in the episode notes.
0: Until next week. And this was What I'd Like to Tell People.